HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Talk, the only unified platform for reservations, takeout, and event management. Switch to Talk today to increase your revenue and reach 19 million loyal and engaged guests around the country. If your food media diet is fueled by HRN, become a monthly donor today. Visit heritageradionetwork.org donate. Hello, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, July 21st, 2021. This is our 296th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a successful entrepreneur and restaurateur, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be timeless. Yes, strive to be a classic with eternal quality unchanged by time. We can all seek to have a presence that will preserve and never be dated but instead make everlasting impressions. Timelessness is simply priceless, so let's aim to produce what will last seemingly forever. That's my tip today. Now, I'm very excited to have my guest joining me. It is Manish Goal. He is the founder and partner at Sona, a new Indian brasserie in New York City's Flatiron District, which he founded with hospitality veteran David Rabin and acclaimed actress and businesswoman Priyanka Chopra Jonas, along with executive chef Hari Nayak, featuring Timeless India. A natural host and entertainer and a successful entrepreneur, Manish is the founder and CEO of MKG Experiential Marketing Agency, as well as the founder of Pineapple Co., Pineapple Co., where he discovers, supports, and launches new ventures. Without further ado, Manish, welcome to the show. Thrilled to be here. Well, I, I'm 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 thrilled. You're thrilled because this is I'm so excited to hear about your story and your background. And um, 
So let's uh, let's get into it. Tell me a bit about where you grew up, and then about how you how you became this serial entrepreneur. For sure, and actually, the way I grew up plays and factors very prominently into my current day story. And I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas, and I am the son of immigrants. My parents came from India in the mid to late 60s at a time when there was a lot of movement towards America um, seeking a opportunity and seeking um, a different way of life. And so that's what brought my parents here. And they settled in Dallas, Texas, where my father got a job as an engineer at Xerox. And it was then, I'm the youngest of three, they had three young kids, young couple themselves. And my father looked around and he recognized that there was not a single Indian restaurant, not just in the city of Dallas, but in the entire state of Texas, the very large state of Texas. There had a, no Indian restaurant had yet been opened. And so in 1975, with kind of the grit of a, a young man, he, he decided while he had a full-time job at Xerox, he opened Texas's first Indian restaurant named India House. And he opened it two months after I was born. And he had it, he ultimately left his job and he had it for a decade plus. And so I was born into an Indian restaurant. And so I found a lot of my identity as a young boy growing up in Dallas, Texas. You know, I kind of would joke that it was like cowboys and Indians you know, because I would try to fit in to school and with, you know, my, my school daytime culture. And then at night I would go to the restaurant. And so I found a lot of my identity there and it stuck, it's, it, it really stuck with me. I, I, I knew at that point, and of course I was a young boy, but it was in me and in my heart and in my soul that maybe one day I wanted to follow in my father's footsteps. So, you know, which amazingly brings us to this conversation today about Sona in New York, you know, it was, more than four decades later, but I've now I've now done it and I'm, I've followed in his footsteps. So that makes me very proud. Yes. So did did your did your father or did your parents, in a sense, discourage you from getting into the restaurant business? I don't know. I've heard that sometimes with with uh, people whose parents own restaurants being like, this is such a hard life. You might not want to do this. But it's so funny. Um, it's so funny you say that. That's exactly what they said. <laughs> um, they, you, 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 you kind of just nailed it right there. Yeah, I think that it was a very it was a different time. He was trying to introduce Indian food to the Texas market, not not a, a market that is otherwise known, especially in the mid 70s, to be a place where you, you know, there have adventurous eaters. And so he, he, he faced a pretty big uphill road. And also, you know, he was kind of a one man show and he did have the re restaurant, as I said, for over a decade, but he remembers how hard it was. And so he really thought about Manish, you know, what are you looking for in this next chapter of your career? Are you ready for this? But I'm, I'm driven by passion and I really feel like we're doing something very different with Indian food. And ultimately after they were fully vaccinated in April of this year, we opened in March and April. They both came up from Dallas and they stepped foot into Sona. And I got to say, it was it was a very monumental moment for me and for them. Oh, I'm sure. I, I mean, it had to have been. And having been to Sona now twice, actually, it's such a such a beautiful restaurant. I mean, just I'm, I, I don't know. I, I would imagine they were very impressed. <laughs> yeah, they were impressed and they were they were proud. And in some ways, I think that there's another layer to the story that people might not see and recognize because of course, 
you know, my father would say, well, this Indian restaurant, it was nothing like mine. And I said, well, yeah, of course, we're a we're different people. We're in different cities and it's a different time. You know, this is 2021 versus 1975. But I think more importantly, and I think we all face this as as, you know, not only do we age, but as our as the our, the generation from where we came as they age, it, there's really, a, I think, a connection to the country that they left but they still feel a, a, a strong um, kinship with. Now they probably feel a little bit prouder and, and rest a little easier knowing that even when they are no longer here and their brothers and sisters who are also in America might not be here, at least my generation, we're going to stay connected to this country. Um, and it might be through opening a restaurant and, you know, I might not speak the language as, as well as I wish I did or as well as they do, but in some ways, we're not going to forget the, the, the origin of our story in America, um, which, you know, the origin of our family, which, of course, started in India. And so I think in that way, they felt even more proud or I feel very proud to know that, you know, we've got this indelible link to this wonderful country that I, may, I have never lived in, but I'm forever connected to because of my parents. So I think that, that there's that other story that sometimes doesn't get said out loud as much. Um, but I think is, is really is, is in my heart for sure. Yes. So why why now did you decide to open this restaurant? I mean, you I touched on a little in your bio of, of a couple of your businesses, but I, I know you've had you've had many businesses um, not in the in the restaurant space. But um, I mean, if you want to talk a little bit about sure. what you're doing um, and then what led you to the timing now of opening Sona and finding your your partners, which are impressive people to be working with. Yeah, for sure. Now, I I did not always think or know that I would be an entrepreneur, even though my father had started a business. And after he closed India House, he had other businesses. So I, I, I lived with an entrepreneur, if you will. Um, but I didn't necessarily have that in my blood. But then I moved to New York and I started to kind of, I, I started to really want to be driven by fulfillment and not necessarily um, accolades. And so I ultimately tried to get it. I, I didn't have any experience in the event business, but I decided to get into the event business because like I said, I wanted, it felt right for me. I, I like bringing people together. I like fast paced environments. I like troubleshooting and putting out fires. And so I ended up in the events business and I ultimately built my own business and I built it successfully and it grew it to New York and LA and we had a lot of employees. And so I went on this very unexpected but wonderful entrepreneurial ride. But at the core of that ride was the fact that I like to bring people together. Um, and I'd never been, as you mentioned, I'd never been in hospitality, but I love the idea of people in a room. That's why I was in the event business. Um, and I was doing events for brands. That was kind of our thing. So we weren't doing social or personal events, but we were working with brands. Um, but also I, I kind of, I, I, I felt that I was learning a lot as an entrepreneur. And then I was, I was really struck by what was in the back of my head, which was my childhood. And, and, and the fact that I said that one day I want to follow in my dad's footsteps. And I have no idea, had no idea, let's say how to open a restaurant but I was enjoying being an entrepreneur. I was enjoying bringing people together. I built a very successful at this point event marketing business. And I said, I think my next chapter, my next step is no one's telling me to do this. Certainly in some ways, my family is very sweetly discouraging me to do this, but I think I want to, I think I want to do this. I want to open a restaurant and not just any restaurant. I want to open an Indian restaurant. 
And then you mentioned my partners and I didn't really know where to start. And I know you've spoken to David before and, and David's such a great guy. And David and I are personal friends. David Rabin, who's kind of a, a very, he's a veteran in New York in the hospitality industry, formerly in the nightlife space and now really in the restaurant space. And he and I were personal friends. And so it's not, you know, some people think it's really Herculean, but I did it very simply. I said, okay, who do I know and who do I like? And so he was the first phone call I made. I said, hey, David, I've got an idea and I don't really know many people in the business, but you're in the business. So will you talk this through with me? And I didn't even ask him to join me. I just said, talk it through with me. And he really said, like, Manish, you've got something here. And I said, well, would you want to do this with me? And he said, let's talk about this. And, you know, so it happened very organically because we personally knew each other. And I knew that the business would sometimes have, you know, characters that might be not the most upstanding. Or I had heard that. I didn't know that personally. And David is a super upstanding person. So I felt like at least if I'm going to bring somebody on very early, then at least I was going to work with a great man and a great person. And, and he is. And we, and we work w wonderfully together. So that's kind of how the whole project started is me just reaching out to a friend. And then I said, okay, I need to find a chef. And I was talking to another friend. I said, so I've got to find a chef and I have no idea how to find a chef because I've got the idea. I've got the story. I've got the passion. I feel like I can raise the money and I can, I can be the entrepreneur, but I am not a chef. And this food has to be spectacular because I want to really reintroduce in some ways, Indian food to this America, uh, to the New York market. And so I said, so how do I find a chef? And, and my friend said, well, there's a friend who's kind of connected to the industry said, there are search firms that actually connect you to chefs. And I had no idea that such firms existed. I said, really? There's like, you know, I've heard of executive search. I had not heard of search that, that works in, in specifically hospitality, but are broadly hospitality, but specifically chefs. And he ultimately said, yeah, I, I think I've known of this one firm. So I, again, I didn't interview three firms. So I didn't even know, you know, there was one firm. He said, have a meeting with them. I met with the firm. They seemed great. I'm still very friendly with them. And I hired this firm to help me find a chef. And they ultimately executed a global search because we're talking about Indian food. And, and this person might have lived in Singapore or London or Dubai or, you know, so we ultimately did a global search. And that search led me right in our backyard to meet the amazing, wonderful Hari Nayak. Um, so, the, you know, so you can kind of see how the pieces started to come together somewhat organically. And this was back in 2015. And so we opened, as you mentioned, in March of 2021. So truly, I mean, these this was years in the making. So I was meeting and having conversations with David in 20, late 2014, 2015. We met Chef for the first time in 2015. So, you know, it took us a long, long time to get to where we are, but you know, we had been slowly been putting pieces together for a long time. Right. No, that's, that's, I mean, that's, it, yeah, it's like putting, putting together a puzzle and you definitely figure exactly. it out. And, and yes, I've known, I don't know if, I mean, I interviewed David, I was looking yes. at episode 169 and I remember we talked about how he liked partnering. He liked having projects with different partners, which, you know, I don't know if, you know, everyone would be in the same mindset, but I remember he said that. But also just a little fun fact, I'll tell you, when I started doing PR back in 2000, 2001, we represented Lotus. Oh, and wow. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, that and that's how I met David. I was it was my first PR job. <laughs> wow. So, that's quite a that's quite an impressive client to have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible because I didn't study I didn't study PR in school. I kind of just fell into working at this agency that then worked with a lot of high profile chefs and restaurants and bars and that was I just, I mean I just I I remember that that place so well and it was I mean it had such a great run too. Yeah, it did. And it really um I don't know, it feels like in many ways it changed the game in New York. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, I have a long history with him as well. Um, and it's, I think it's so great that, that you partnered with him and it all worked out. How, so, so how did you come up with the idea of timeless Indian cuisine? What exactly does that mean as you interpret it? And then, and, and also getting into, I mean, you said you started these talks, these talks in 2015. I mean, I'm assuming last year with the pandemic probably slowed you down a little bit <laughs> with, yeah. with getting open. Did it ever? It sure did. Um, yeah. So, so what I meant by, and what I do mean, I should say by timeless India is I have this real penchant and, and, and interest and desire to, to think about and in some ways emulate what I would call the golden age of dining so you can almost imagine um, beautifully dressed diners in railway cars in India uh, in, you know, in a different era or diners gathering in a ballroom, you know, with, um, you know, ladies in white gloves and men dressed and just kind of this this notion of, of you know, well before everyone looking at their phones at dinner and, and with having... Um, you know, when the entertainment was the guests and not, you know, Instagram and, you know, all this different time. And I think about that time as being a timeless era. And when I wanted to do an Indian restaurant, I wanted to be first and foremost a New York restaurant. Um, and that's, I think, what sets us apart is we have a, a we, we really and it's because of me and David and, and the rest of the team that we really are a New York restaurant. But of course, with a with a fully Indian state of mind. And, and when I think about what kind of state of mind specifically, it's really bringing and, and evoking the spirit of a, this, this bygone era of, of the golden age of dining and, and, and being really um, um, aspirational when we think about the, the space that we're in, the music that we're listening to, the art on the walls, et cetera. So we really highly considered all of that, but mostly from our design and since you've, of course, been to the restaurant a couple of times, you know that our design is different than other Indian restaurants in the sense that it's 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 muted in some ways. It's understated. It's really um, beautiful backlit arches, and it's and it's it's really just kind of has a glow to it. But very specifically, and a lot of people don't know this, but the second highest concentration of Art Deco outside of South Beach, outside of Miami. Um, um, South Beach is in Mumbai, in you know the, the town formerly known as Bombay, and so Bombay has this really amazing, rich history with Deco, and and our designer, myself included, we really wanted to evoke that spirit of of Art Deco, and that's not something that people connect to India. They never they don't think about Art Deco in India. They think about of course, South Beach and the birdcage, the amazing, funny film and, you know, like things of mm -hmm. that nature. 
but they don't think about India. So we, you know, you come in and you see this, you know, we, we call our, we have a tower, a bar tower, um, and it, it's very Art Deco inspired. And, and we say it's like the jewel on top of the, on top of so, and it's like our jewelry um, because it's golden and, and lit beautifully and it's very Deco. And that's the reason that I kind of really have, have honed in on this notion of timeless India um, because it's really about just a time when, when we, people sit back, you know, your shoulders go down, your phones slip away, and you just really enjoy being together. And that's the goal. Like, it's not to say that we, you know, we slap you on the hand. Of course, if you have your phone, it's, you know, that's by no means the idea. It's just about the spirit we're trying to evoke. Yeah. Well, the space is, is, is really beautiful and there, yeah, it's, it's, it's very special. Um, and I am so fortunate I've, I've been able to dine there. I can't wait to come back. Let me ask you my question from my last guest, actually had two questions. Um, this is on episode 295. I had on Joshua David Stein. He's a journalist and the author of many cookbooks, books, and children's books. His latest is Cooking for Your Kids at Home with the World's Greatest Chefs. So his first question is or was, uh, do you have any reservations for this Friday for two people? <laughs> <laughs> Being, a, knowing, knowing you're popular. <laughs> we are thankfully very popular, but we always have a reservation for a friend of Sherry. So yes, like, of Ooh, course, I we, like it. we can always make that happen. <laughs> All right. I feel I feel very special at this moment. Okay, cool. Um, and the second question is, what are some of the challenges of presenting high end modern Indian cuisine in the city as as a fine dining experience? Essentially, do you feel like those challenges are diminishing a little bit or are getting easier? And if so, what do you attribute that to? So I think the challenge really is, is you know, something I guess that's happening around the world right now, which is misinformation, um, you know, broadly speaking. So in our category of dining and Indian food, there's a lot of misinformation about Indian cuisine and about, and, you know, like what it, what, what the experience will be like, what it tastes like, what the after effects might be, what the smells are, et cetera. And so I think that's our biggest hurdle to cross is you have people who love it. Super fans will, you know, come to you, come to Indian restaurants just because they want Indian food. And then you have people who are very um, new to the cuisine. And if anything, you know, like our, our, our might not, might not have such a um, interest in it. And then of course you have the people that are very uh, opposed to it and just feel like it's not for them and it's, it's going to be too spicy and it's not going to wor work well with them. And what we have to really do is open up people's minds and literally open their mouths to try Sona's food, which we feel like is very different than other Indian food. Um, because it's lighter, it's accessible, it's uh, it's very seasonal. It's just a a it's it's pure Indian. You know, I don't like the word fusion, especially for our cuisine. It's but it is, I would say, a little bit more inventive. But you know, Chef Hari Nayak's food is pure Indian, and he's born and raised in India. Um, but we have to educate people, and and really, that's still part of what our process is. Um, and thankfully, more and more people are coming on board and we're having, um, you know, I, I call them that we are having converts and, and more and more where people are like, wow, I didn't know I liked Indian food this much. And I was like, well, that's that's awesome. And, and please don't stop here, you know, continue to discover it. 
because there's a lot to discover in this cuisine. And so that's really exciting, but that's definitely one of the biggest hurdles we have to cross. Yeah. What, um, do you have any, any, um, favorite dishes or dishes you'd for someone even that maybe was, was, you know, maybe a little skeptical coming in, but what would you say you have to get on the menu? So I think probably one that I am personally most connected to, and it's, it's, and it's just so delicious is our butter chicken and mm-hmm. butter butter chicken is something that you might find on other Indian menus, but ours actually just has a lot of heritage to it because the name on the menu is actually India House's butter chicken. And so, uh-huh. as I mentioned, it this is a recipe that was used at India House in Texas in the 1970s. So it's actually entirely inspired by and taken from um, the the original recipe that my father was using at at his restaurant. So our butter chicken is is exceptionally special, delicious, flavorful, um, and and comes with a just a, a really great, um, somewhat slightly tangy sauce that is is a a real delight. So that's I think one thing that's a a not to miss. I also really love our halibut. It's in a turmeric has kind of a, like a, a very light turmeric glaze to it. Um, with some tapioca dumplings and it's just really it's light and it's so flavorful and it's it's i think one of the standouts on our menu yeah well i can attest to the butter chicken because i did have that and it oh, good I fabulous like that. I like and then that. I, I also had i had when my first visit I, I i went solo and i actually talked about it on my episode 288 i gave a whole rundown of it um but i went with uh floyd's go and Fish curry, Fish curry, yeah. Which for uh, Floyd Cardoza, I, I believe it was a tribute the chef was doing for him, and that curry would all, it would mean I was I could have licked the bowl. I mean that was delicious. Oh, that's so <laughs> kind, and that's I'm, I'm so happy you mentioned that dish because it's also a really personal and beautiful mm-hmm. dish. Not only is the the flavoring uh, of the preparation of of the fish curry really special, but it does stand very proudly in tribute to the late great chef Floyd Cardoz, who we very sadly lost just over a year ago from COVID. Um, and he was really the, the, the pioneer, I should say, of Indian cuisine in not only in New York, but really in America um, with, you know, most notably with his legendary restaurant Tabla that he had really that is so it, it was just steps away from where Sona is. Um, and he was somebody that we, both myself and Chef Hari, were personal friends with, um, but also really looked up to. And so given both of those reasons, it was that we were, you know, we really admired him and, and, and knew what he did to this cuisine. We really wanted to pay tribute to him. And so we were very blessed and, and, and grateful when his, his wife, Barca Cardoz, allowed us to and gave us the blessing to name a dish in his honor so that makes us it makes us very proud and it's a very delicious dish yes yes well and and i i love that you have that as a tribute and i knew i knew floyd as well and honestly it was like half the reason i got that dish was just because yeah like i like i had to get it it was a tribute dish for him but and it was just then just so so ultimately delicious it was like it was I say anyone. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong on your menu, but these two that we're talking about, Floyd's uh, 
fish curry and the butter chicken are, are definitely, I would definitely recommend both. That's great. No, I appreciate that. I love that you enjoyed it as much as, you know, and, and it's meaningful for people who knew him and know, and know of him. So I appreciate that. Right. Yeah. No, thank you. So as a new, new ish, I guess, restaurateur, yeah. what has been, I mean, what, what has surprised you or what's been the most challenging or, or the most rewarding for you? So again, another really, um, great question because it's almost like you don't know where to start. I, I would say the one thing that has been the most fulfilling is the the capacity. I'm I'm an extrovert, right? So I love people. I've always loved people. I was in the events business before, as I mentioned. Now I'm in hospitality. And so meeting people and seeing people has been such a joy and a gift. And in some ways, because I I lead a you know a full and a big life like a lot of restaurateurs, I love the convenience of of going to one place every night and being able to see people. So it's kind of funny that I jokingly say that I followed in Celine Dion's footsteps, and, and of course people say like, "What the heck are you talking about?" And I said, "Well, Celine Dion invented the residency in Vegas when she said, "I'm not going on tour. If you want to see me, you come to me.'" And so, you know, and she very, you know, smartly and successfully created a residency and people came to see her. And now I say, well, I'm in residence at Sona. So I get to see so many people because they not only am I grateful that they come in to the restaurant to eat, but I meet new people. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those restaurateurs who walks up to tables and welcomes guests and introduces myself and hands out my card and and just wants to meet people. So that's been a, a great joy. I really enjoy that. Um, and it's not a burden. It doesn't feel like work rather quite the opposite. It really feels like, wow, here, um, you know, like this, this, this is almost like pinch me. I love this. So that, so that's, that's great. And I think one of the most, the the biggest challenges has been like just maintaining the, the, the level of expectation that we all have when you are running a very busy, very full restaurant that is still new. We're about three and a half months old, almost four months old. Um, that is still new. Staffing, you know, we we none of us who are on this or listening to this need to, you know, further discuss just the challenges of, of staffing right now. But with the the heart challenges of staffing and with being busy, and you know, you just don't want things to slip. And, and we're still building systems, so you know, systems will help and, and will help prevail. But right now we're still building systems. So I think that that's what's been really interesting and somewhat a challenge is to say like, okay, we've got a lot that we want to accomplish and that we need to accomplish every night. And how much are we actually accomplishing? You know, and thankfully the guests don't really see when we're not. But, you know, are we, you know, every time somebody asks for, a, you know, simple things, a cup of ice, do we know when it comes to the table to put a spoon with it? You know, and I've seen a couple of times where people are like, all right, I got my ice, but now where's, you know, how do I, you know, like just little things that are just going to help to perfect and perfect and perfect. Um, and that's, you know, what I'm looking forward to, but it's a challenge because all those little things certainly add up. And I know that we are, we, we are so close to being done, but I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the time when, when it feels like, all right, everybody is on the same page and we are operating like a very smooth machine. Um, and that takes time. And, you know, so I need to give it more time, but uh, you know, that's definitely a challenge because you really want every guest to have the most wonderful experience. 
Yeah, well, sounds like spoken like a true restaurateur. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's probably right. Yeah, and and I have to say, I, I mean, you're the block you picked to have a residency on. I, I give you kudos too because I've always I'm always in awe of East Twentieth Street. Like, how are there so many great restaurants on your block? It really is remarkable, I would say, <laughs> because it is a it's it, it, and you know not only is it an amazing block but it feels so good too uh-huh. meaning that we all have gotten to know each other the other day um michael anthony came in you know the chef of course from gramercy tavern danny meyer came in for dinner the other night with his wife so the the, the chef and owner of um co-owners i guess of red dora across the street came in you know like yeah, uh, you know, like we all are just in each other's orbits and we're all rooting for each other. And it just feels like a little restaurant row on 20th Street. And it's such a gift to to feel that sense of community um, when you're opening your first restaurant. You know, I'm, I'm in my mid 40s and I'm opening my first restaurant and and this just feels like such a such a joy. Yeah. Yeah. There is great energy on your block. I, and I'm not joking. I think it's just, it's, 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 it, it is, it's like a little, it's a gem in, in Manhattan when it comes to dining. So you're in very good company right there. I think that's right. And I appreciate that. It's, it feels that way. And people oftentimes comment to say like, wow, this is the block. And, and I knew, you know, it's worth mentioning that I knew when I was opening Sona that I, I had to be very deliberate about our location. And I had no idea that I would end up on 20th Street because, I, of course, I couldn't predict that. But I knew that I was going to be relentless about finding a great location. And, in fact, the space that we're in was the fourth space that we really made a very deliberate pass at and tried to get. And the other ones fell through for very different reasons, and some of which we spent nine months working on, and then things fell through. And you know, this this goes back to why I met Chef and David in 2015, and we didn't open it until 2021. Of course, COVID was responsible for the last year of that delay, but prior to that, it just like we had a really hard time, and we were looking at different spaces. And you know, I guess it really is true what everyone says that everything works out in the end because we ended up on on our dream block. Uh, and, and we, you know, that was not by exact design, but I knew I wanted a really triple A location and we certainly ended up there. Yes, you've done well. And on that note, let's take a little break. We'll come back. We'll play my speed round game. We'll talk some industry news. I have my solo dining experience and the final question. So stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Excited to partner with Talk, the only unified platform for reservations, takeout, and event management. Talk is home to 7,000 restaurants, bars, wineries, and breweries, including Stretch Pizza, Wiley Dufresne's Pizza Residency at Bread's Bakery here in New York City. So a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I had booked a Stretch Pizza to go reservation through Talk, and now I want to tell you about my experience. Stretch Pizza has been so popular that I had actually booked a waitlist spot through Talk. Luckily, a reservation popped up and I was able to order in advance to pick up my pizza. 
And what did I get? Well, I ordered the classic New York pizza and a breakfast calzone. And when I arrived to get it, it turned out to be Wiley's birthday, and he was having a party at Bread's Bakery. I had amazing timing. And since I'm friendly with him and his wife and friends, because they are all in the industry, I ended up crashing his party, trying even more pizza than I had ordered, and I was sharing mine with them. So it was super fun. You want to hear more about it? I talked about the experience on episode 291. Now, talk makes food experiences like stretch pizza possible. To learn more about how Talk powers reservations, events, and takeout, go to exploretalks.com/join. That's exploretalk.com/join. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. You may have noticed that we have a whole new look. We also launched a new website that's going to make your listening easier and more enjoyable than ever before. HRN is the original food podcast network. And as we enter a new chapter in our 12-year history, I want to ask you to invest in HRN for the long haul. If you rely on this show to fuel your food media diet, become a monthly sustaining member today. Our members keep the voice of America's food movement alive and kicking. Your donations support this podcast along with 40 other shows on Heritage Radio Network. Your contribution helps give HRN the security we need to stay on the airwaves throughout the pandemic, and your continued support is allowing us to reopen our studio. Plus, we like to give our regular members special treatment. So sign up to become a monthly donor and get access to our secret menu. We've gathered together exclusive discounts and offers from some of your favorite food and beverage brands. So you get to enjoy insider pricing on goods that will ship right to your door. Join our community of monthly donors and special deals will come your way throughout the summer. So can you make a gift of five or $10 a month? It'll show me and our whole team at HRN how much this podcast and food radio in general means to you. Become a monthly sustaining member today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Manish Goal. He is an entrepreneur and restaurateur who recently opened Sona, a new Indian brasserie in New York City's Flatiron District featuring Timeless India. So Manish, it's time for my speed round. What this is, is I'm going to name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. You ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat in. Wine, beer, Cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Large plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Kevin, Joe, or Nick? 
Nick all the way? <laughs> Great question. For those who, who don't know what I'm talking about or we're talking about, that's the Jonas Brothers and Nick is married to Priyanka. That's so I'm glad funny. you got it. <laughs> I sure did. That was great. And you know what? Your first question right there just tripped me up when you said eat in or eat out. And what I thought that you meant, now I realize there's in today's day and age, there's two um there there, there there's there's two ways to interpret that. I thought yeah. you meant like eat in, like indoor dining or outdoor dining, or eating at home or going out. So I said when I said eat in, I like to go inside. Um, as opposed to sit in the outdoor dining um, areas, you know, personally right now, I'm, I'm, I'm liking this eating inside. But if I'm, if you're asking me if I'm going to go out to dinner or stay in, I'm always going out to dinner. Yes. And I, I said this on my show last week because the exact same thing came up. And ever since the pandemic, yeah, no one understands that one because the inter it, it's changed. I did used to mean eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant. So I, I think I think I'm gonna have to change up, change that one up a little bit. That's so funny, yeah. Because <laughs> I, when I said that, I was like, "Oh wait, I think I might have said the wrong thing," but it's fine. I'm, ser- but seriously, it's like every single person on this show since it, the, in in 2021 has been the same way. So of course, of course, <laughs> yeah. We're we're all like we we all have been living in, a, in yeah. a, an al- alternate universe, so it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you're you're yeah you're right on point with that. Okay, I have three more: um, garlic or chili cheese naan. Gar- chili cheese naan. Chili cheese. I did try that. It's quite something. It's yeah, so good. Never had that before. Um, okay, cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan or Dallas? I should throw in Dallas. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm a I'm a Manhattan guy. All right. Cool. That's the game. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that was fun. Very fun. Okay, so for industry news, uh, there was an article in the Washington Post entitled Jeff Bezos Awards Jose Andres $100 million for Courage and Civility. This was by Emily Heal. Um, this article was actually everywhere yesterday after, yeah. after Jeff Bezos came back from space. <laughs> it was like a <laughs> minute ride up into space, which was big, big news in the media. He, he came down and he, he gave, he made this award that, or these gave these uh, to two people, um, which I don't think anyone knew was coming, but to um, Jose Andres and also to Van Jones, a, a CNN commentator and activist. Um, he's giving them a hundred million dollars. They can distribute to the charity of their choosing. And of course, Jose, our hero, my hero, um, said he's going to give all the money to World Central Kitchen. So I just thought that was just, I mean, anything with Jose Andres, I just feel I have to talk about because he's just so, so inspirational. I totally agree. And he is, in my estimation, one of like just a, a man and a person, I should say a human, to 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 emulate to to live a life like he lives his life i mean what i know of him and i certainly don't know everything but what i know of him and his work and his talent and his um charisma and his 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 servitude is so inspiring to me so i i'm with you um and yeah i i read that as well of course like like all of us as you mentioned and i was very struck by 
what a day, right? I mean, going up to space and then these these gifts and I, I I don't know I, I'm still a little conflicted about the whole thing. Was it just like I you know what was the intention behind it all? But overall, I'm really happy that these two men and these two people were were you know now are going to be able to do more good in the world. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, yeah, I think it's it's amazing that um, that this was that Jeff Bezos is is giving this money to them. And I mean, I think anyone listening to the show knows that he's the the founder of Amazon and the wealthiest man I think in, in the world. world. Yes, yes. <laughs> but what people may not know, which will be a fun fact, is that Jeff Bezos went to my high school, Val wow. Victorian of of Palmetto High School in Miami, Florida. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, before, uh, a couple of years ahead of me. But um, yeah, that's, uh, he, it's kind of crazy to think that he went to my high school. But he did. Yeah, yeah, he's, that's quite a life. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, ex, uh, like extreme, and maybe it's the wrong word, but I, I'm a super fan of Jose Andres, so that, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And also I'll just touch on, I don't really understand why all these billionaires are all of a sudden everyone's going to space, but it just seems it's like what's in right now. It does. It's, it's so odd to me. I'm with you. I think that it's such an odd um, kind of uh, phenomenon right now. It's like, uh-huh. is, is this the new yacht? Like, I don't know. It, it's, it's odd. Apparently it is, but I mean, good for them. I just, it's like, it's just the whole thing is just kind of, it's been, it's been an interesting news cycle. So this touching in on our, you know, hospitality industry and, and of course uh, the great Xandres, um, it's, uh, I, I didn't think this would be the news we'd be talking about today, but here we are. But here we are. Yeah. So, um, very cool. And um, thank you. And congratulations to Jose for all that you do. Okay, so for my solo dining experience this week, here's the rundown. It's at Yellow Rose. The location, 102 3rd Avenue near East 13th Street in the East Village, New York City. The concept, it's a genuine cosmic Texas cooking restaurant, tying in Texas here. Uh, The owners, Christiana Rizzo and Dave Rizzo, who are from San Antonio, Texas. So why'd I go? Well, I heard really great things about this place. Um, it's like a newish Tex-Mex restaurant. So I was like, it's been on my list and I finally made it. Uh, my experience. So this past weekend, I went for a late brunch. I biked over there from, I'm over on the west side and uh, I arrived. It was very hot. It was a hot day, but I was like, set inside. I went to, they have a counter. The guy asked me if I was going to be taking to go. I said, no, I'd like to stay. So I found a little spot up front on their they have some counter seating and some tables, and I just I just sat there. The waitress came over and very nice, and I ordered, and I had a very low key uh, brunch experience. What did I get? So I got two tacos. I got the migas, which was scrambled eggs, roasted tomatoes, poblanos, onions, and corn tortilla chips, and the barbacoa, which was braised beef cheeks, onions, cilantro, and avocado, both in fresh flour tortillas, which they make there. And I also got a pink cake, which they had. I had heard about their chocolate cake, but they didn't they didn't have it um, available then. But the pink cake came with strawberry rhubarb jam, which I knew was super seasonal. So I went with that. It also had a pink cream cheese frosting and rainbow sprinkles. So it was very festive. My take, 
tacos were fabulous, really outstanding. I mean, the flour tortillas were they're, they're, I mean, I mean, handmade flour tortillas, really, you notice a difference. Um, so delicious, great combinations between getting the migas with the eggs and, and the barbacoa with the meat. And I, I liked the cake too. The cake was great. I didn't finish the whole thing. I, I had some leftovers there. Uh, the ambiance. So it's like a casual honky tonk chic spot. It's got like yellow colors and it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's feels, it feels very welcoming. Um, they were playing some festive country music, which I think was also on the TVs, but I couldn't really tell the TVs were in the other room. Um, but it was, it was, it was chill and, and, and I liked it. Uh, Perfect for brunch, lunch, or dinner with friends. Interesting tidbit, Yellow Rose began as a pop-up in Bed-Stuy in February 2020 and now has become a permanent location since November. Um, I Again, I've heard this great stuff about the chocolate cake. I'm going to have to go back and get that again. Some people are saying it's the best they've ever had. Um, and these flour tortillas they're making are with son- Sonoran flour um, that they specialize in and they're pressed to order. Personal fun fact, so barbacoa, always reminds me a couple of years ago, I took a trip into Mexico city and I had the opportunity to go outside the city and up into the mountains on this little field trip where we had barbacoa tacos um, in the mountains over the open fire. And it was fabulous. And whenever I see that on menus, I want to order it and compare. And uh, these tacos were, were really great. So it was great to have that in New York. Uh, the cost of my meal was $22, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes. And their website is yellowrosenyc.com and Instagram yellowrose.nyc. There we go. Have you have you been to this place, Manish? I haven't, but it sounds great. As a, as as a Texan, as you know, mm-hmm. I, I I just wrote it down here, so I'm going to definitely go. And I live on 13th Street as well, so uh, I've got I've got a spot now. Oh, cool! I'd love to see what you think of it because I know. I mean, I've I'm I mean, last time I was in Austin, I was you know on you know, always on a mission to find find good tacos or where the locals are going to. So I'm sure, where you know a good taco. <laughs> I do. And I'm excited to check it out. No, thanks for the tip. Very helpful. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, it's a great spot. Okay, so the for the final question, my next guest is Stephen Hall. He's the founder of Hall PR, which is a multilingual media agency focusing on culinary and hospitality. Uh, I've known Stephen a really long time and his agency is, is similar to mine, being mostly representing restaurants in New York City. Uh, so, uh, Manish, uh, can you please ask a question for Stephen? So a question that I would have for Stephen is, can you do to Sona what you are doing for the amazing guys behind Damaka and Ada, <laughs> because they get such tremendous press, including the wonderful New York Times story this week, the Eater story. But I, I, I've gotten to know Stephen, and I, and, and I am really impressed by his work. Um, but he clearly knows uh, Indian food. So no, I, I guess the, the real question would be is, like, how, how do you make a, a, a restaurant that has, um, in, a, in, a, in a category, in a cuisine category, how do you make it stand out amongst all the rest? Um, because... That's, you know, like something that we think about, of course, New York and most cities have a lot of Indian restaurants. And so how do we stand out amongst all the rest? Um, and he's figured out how to do that really impressively with some of his clients. And I think he's he's a great guy. So I'd love to hear his thoughts on that. That's awesome. I will find out. I mean, I'm sure we will be talking about Indian cuisine because um, 
I've actually, I, I recently was at Damaco with Steven and oh, um, with a group and we got their, their rabbit that they oh, you did. Yeah. It's yeah like they, one, one per day or something, right? Ex- one per day ordered in advance. I mean, I was, uh, I was lucky to be there and, and get to try it and it was delicious. And um, he has done an incredible job working with them. Um, I find, and it, it, I'm interested to talk to him too, more about it too, because I feel Damaka and Sona, even though you're you're both you're Indian restaurants in Manhattan, but there's they're very different in, in yeah, many they ways. Are. They are. They're very different and 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 both with really great teams. And that's why I think it's exciting because there's there's plenty of space for for all of us to be to to coexist and in some ways to just elevate the entire um, the, the entire category. So which is exciting. So I, I'm really excited for what, what those guys are doing and what Steven's yeah. doing with, with them. Yeah, me too. Awesome. I will find, I will ask him. We'll talk about it for sure. And um, congratulations to you. Thank you so much for joining me. I, I really, I really loved hearing about your background and, um, and having gone to your restaurants. I can't wait to come to your restaurant, come back. And I just wish you much continued success. I appreciate that so much, Sherry. I've had a blast um, talking with you, and I look forward to seeing you hopefully at Sona very soon. Yeah, um, I will. I'll be coming. So awesome. um, thank you um, so much. All right, take care. You have a great day. Thanks. My guest today has been Manish Goal. He's an entrepreneur and founder and partner of Sona, featuring timeless Indian cuisine in the heart of Manhattan. His website is sona-nyc.com, and you can follow him at Manish K. Goal and at Sona New York. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My website is BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org, where you're also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. So it's our summer membership drive here at Heritage Radio Network. And we would love your support. As many of you know, I started this only industry podcast over seven years ago. I can't believe I've been on the air that long. And it's a passion project. It always has been. And I love having this platform to share the inspirational stories with hospitality, hospitality leaders. Um, I'm really grateful. And I'm really grateful to be a part of HRN family and to all of you who've listened and supported all of these years. It would mean so much to us if you would Consider becoming a monthly sustaining member of HRN if you aren't already. You can give any amount, even a dollar a month, to keep our show on the air. HRN is a nonprofit, and we do rely on support from our listeners. So um, I thank you in advance. If you would consider becoming a member, please go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate and designate my show on the industry. And again, thank you so much for being part of All in the Industry. My engineer today is Amanda Wang. As always, thank you, Amanda. And thanks again to Manish. And thanks to Manish's wonderful publicist, Jesse. Also, big thanks to our sponsor of our show today, Talk. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next week with a new show. Stay safe and well. And thank you again for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network.
a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.